0: This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie on Sportsnet 960
1: The Fan. Job's not finished, I mean, we had to crawl ourselves out of a hole and we've done that. And uh, now we're looking to, you know, obviously in the new year and in the second half of the season to try to be one of the, one of the better clubs. So, uh, you know, we have confidence, we believe in ourselves and, uh, you know, we don't think it's unattainable the calgary flames
2: continue a six-game homestand tonight at the scotia bank saddledome where they'll go for their first five game winning streak since 2021 2022 and they'll do so against nasa Kadri's old team the toronto maple leafs as they make their lone visit to calgary with gm Bradshaw living in tow Welcome to Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie along with you. We're What's here. up, buddy? What's up, pal? How are you?
3: Happy to be back in uh, in studio with you. I know I, I missed
2: out last week. I'm glad to have you back as well. Uh, we're in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios. we friends at Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, Crack Foundation, Boeing Foundation, Walls. They have a simple permanent solution to stabilize your foundation. Contact Basement Systems. They're all things Basement-y. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Logan Gordon, Julian McKenzie along with you. We've got a busy show for you. We will get you set for the Flames and the Maple Leafs. A 7 p.m. puck drop from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames warm-up of Pat Steinberg goes at 6. Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson on the call for Flames Hockey at 7 o'clock right here on your Home of the Flames Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We'll take you right into the Flames locker room. Hear from head coach Ryan Huska, Nazem Kadri, Chris Tanev on a game day. We'll also hear from former Flames captain Mark Giordano as we take a look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They've lost four straight coming into tonight's matchup. So we we'll do all of that. We'll get you the latest on lines and D-pairings. We'll take a, a deeper look at the Maple Leafs with our pal Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590 in Toronto. Also, Thursday means a chat with our Thursday regular Adnan Virk from MLB Network, NHL Network, and the Cinephile Podcast. If you want to choose to text today, the fan feedback line is always open to you at 960-960. We'd love to hear from you on this Thursday. Our outstanding producers are Cam and Sham. Julian, let's dive right into it. Get you the latest today from the Scotiabank Saddledome. Dome. Start with the news that uh, we got yesterday. Walker Dewar was placed on waivers by the Calgary Flames. We can tell you as the show begins today, he has cleared waivers and per the team has been sent down to the American Hockey League's Calgary Wranglers. Adam Klapka has been recalled from the Wranglers, although he is not expected to make his NHL debut tonight. Our lines and D-pairings with a healthy Jonathan Huberto look like this. Huberto back on that line with Lindholm and Sharon Govich. Zeri with Kadri and Pospisal. Manjapani back, Lind Coleman. Greer with Ruzichka and Dubé. Mackenzie Weger with Rasmus Anderson. Hannafin with Tanev. Osterley with De Simone, And your starting goaltender for the second straight game will be Dan Vladar, the Toronto Maple Leafs like I mentioned on a four game losing streak will uh, counter with former Calgary hitman goaltender, Martin Jones tonight. Uh, lots to talk about Julian, but let's get into it uh, with Walker Dewar. I think that's where most people were interested to see. We find out today, he doesn't get claimed by another team and has been sent back down to the Wranglers. How surprised have you been with the season that Walker Dewar has had and that it's reached this point um, for him this season?
3: Very surprising. I thought, with him and the way that he played last year, even if he was in and out of the lineup, you can count on him to bring some energy, uh, bring some of that skating ability. He was a guy who worked hard, and and he and he earned his opportunity uh, with the Flames last year and got some goals in some pretty key moments for the team. Mm-hmm. So to see him be in and out of the lineup and not really do much of anything in terms of production, and I get it. There's a lot of people on that fourth line right now who have been MIA in terms of production AJ Greer started off pretty well I think he's tapered off a little bit Dylan Dubay went through a pointless December he's trying to get back in it Adam Rosicka has not necessarily been playing all that well either there's a lot of guys who have not produced all that well but Walker Dewar a guy who's been in and out of the lineup hasn't had much of that opportunity. He just hasn't made that impact to warrant Ryan Huska to keep him in. And you can say like, hey, he can. He, maybe you need to give that player more of a chance. I've seen people complain about it in lieu of, of Dylan Dubé as an example. But Dewar in limited opportunities last year still found ways to make, a, to make something for himself. So to see him in this position, I am very surprised. I'm a bit surprised, too, that no one thought to claim him. I, I get that we're in a sure. salary cap world where not everyone has the space, but... Walker Dewar is a guy who is still relatively affordable. What, an 825K, I think, is his cap hit? And and I get it. Fine, the production hasn't been there for him this year. But, you know, big body, has some pace to his game. You could put him on a bottom six. Maybe it's worth the risk, but maybe some other teams all around the league just figured, you know what, it's not worth extending that roster spot for a player of his caliber. So, yeah, a a bit of a weird, surprising time. Uh, But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see if he refines his game in the AHL.
2: You brought up a good point about the, the fourth line as a whole and kind of, you know, with the exception of, of A.J. Greer, who wasn't in this conversation earlier this year, I think you can say the same about Walker Dewar, that you can about Dylan Dubé, that you can about Adam Ruzichka. And those are three guys that at the beginning of the season, that in training camp, that you had been writing about, that we were discussing about, as guys that should have had a leg up on a Zeri, on a Pospashov, on a Coronado because they'd had significant in some cases, like Dylan, you know, significant NHL time. I think they were poised to be the guys that took advantage of the, you know, the new Craig Conroy mantra of we're going to give young guys an opportunity. Mm-hmm. I mean, those three. All I know, Walker Dewar's twenty six, so maybe he's not young, young, but you know, young is an NHLer. And I think was was poised to take another step forward after the season that he had under Daryl Sutter. And all three of them in their own way have, have disappointed. And you're right, opportunity can certainly be I think a, a fair counterpoint to that. I think I think earning that opportunity, there's something to be said about that as well. But the thing with Walker Dewar that that frustrates me the most is I love what you say. He, he hit up with some key goals last year, and it was it was nice to see, and it was a, a great thing for a team that sometimes was too reliant on the Toffoli line for offense. I don't even need that from Walker Dewar. It's the same thing as A.J. Greer. I don't need goals and assists or, or points on a night-to-night basis for you to be effective in my lineup. I just need you to in the rope in a positive direction, mm-hmm. and there just hasn't been enough of that, and... I don't know where that's where that's gone in his game because you laid it out perfectly, Julian. The energy, the forecheck, the the physicality that Walker Dewar has gone through. Even if he wasn't scoring, he was still noticeable in other ways. Yeah, that's what's wild too. Like, where th- has that gone this year?
3: The one thing I can count on from Walker Dewar, and I, I know I haven't been here long, but the one thing I can count on from Walker Dewar, it's him streaking up that right wing side. Yes, That's like the one thing I know about that man's game. That man can go up a wing. <laughs> yeah. He hasn't even done that that much this year. I, I think just the fact that he's able to stay with the Wranglers and and, and get that time in to refine his game, get back to the basics, do what what made him successful in the HL and warranted calling him up in the first place. He just needs that time. Just give him some time with Trent Cole. Maybe he gets back in there, gets around some of those other young guys. It could be good for him, but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm still surprised that through 19 games this year, only one goal, he's got seven goals and I get, look, the four flying guy, but like he found ways to produce sure. in limited times last year. So yeah, I'm a bit surprised that it's kind of come to this with him.
2: So Walker Dewar's back with the Calgary Wranglers that necessitates uh, the need for an extra forward as the Flames like to operate with. And now it's Adam Klapka, the guy who gets recalled and. Um, of course, we had some of this conversation as we waited yesterday to see who that forward might be. I think there were conversations around Klapka, I think Schwint, of course, Coronado with yeah. the success that he's had. What were your reactions to hearing that it was uh, Klapka that got the call up uh, from the Wranglers? I uh, a little
3: surprised, but not in a bad way. Sure. I, I think for it's been really fascinating to see this team from last year where they were so averse to bringing up young players to... Now, a lot of these younger players who have had their time in the HL, they make an appearance. And a guy like Adam Klapka, I'm not sure how much Flames fans think of him in comparison to a Connors Airy, in comparison to a Matthew Coronado. Those are more of the flashier. Dustin Wolf's in that conversation, too. Those are more of the flashier prospects. Adam Klapka has always been a project player in my eyes. Big frame, big body. But if you see him on the ice, you see him skate, you see him with the hands in front of goal. You look at him and you think, whoa, wait a minute. This guy of with this size, he's able to do stuff like this? Like, I, I, I think for if he gets that opportunity to, to show it, even on a fourth line, I think he has the potential to surprise Flames fans the most because I'm not sure how many of them i imagine the close ones the diehards who go to english yeah. games have an idea but for the more casual fan who maybe knows a little bit more about coronado and what they've seen in zary but not as much as Klapka, i feel like he has the potential to open up uh a lot of eyes uh for a lot of people watching this team because i'm not sure because it feels like he's in this like mystery box like you open it up and you're like okay what are you gonna get with this big dude yeah in in am Klapka? uh no and it was really cool to You know, it doesn't it doesn't look as if he's gonna play today, but it was cool to see him get his moment where he got to speak in front of the media. I'm still laughing at him walking into the Flames locker room. And he's just seeing this massive crowd of people. It's big enough as it is because of all the Toronto people yep. that are in town. And you see his eyes widen <laughs> and they're just like, oh, my God, like what's going on? There's like a, a, a the play by play guy for uh, the other network that's going to be covering this game. Yeah, you might have heard of him. He's big and famous. Yeah. He's shaking his hand as he walks in. I'm convinced Adam Clotka had no idea who that man was. <laughs> he's like shaking his head. He's like, yeah, whatever. Just like going in. And you know what's actually funny? He Like guys will go into a scrum. And they'll look at us be like, hey, how you doing? Some guys, if they're a little older, like, yeah, whatever. We're just going to go in there. Adam actually took the time. He goes to the front. He, like, shakes some guy's hands before he starts talking. Like, he's he's just like, oh, my God. Like, this is such a, like, a fun, big moment for him. And I'm sure he'll get his time to play. But it, it, it's cool to see some of those younger players come in. And for a guy like Adam Klapka, I, I can't wait to see what other fans uh, who don't watch the Wranglers as closely think of this guy, because I think he has a unique skill set for his frame. And uh, it's it, it'd be really interesting to see how it plays out on uh, whatever role they give him in, likely a fourth line role.
2: He is 23 years old. He is six foot eight, weighing 245 pounds, He's Massive. drafted free agent, signed by Brad Trilliving uh, during his tenure here in Calgary. Last year at the Wranglers in 60 contests, 25 points, this year in 33 contests, already up to 21 points. So a well-deserved recall for Adam Clapkin. Like you said, not expecting to see him tonight, but I would imagine at some point during this homestand, he'll find his way there. And I think just a good reminder, I think this is a double win for the Flames. I think, one, I think it's always appropriate for teams to reward good play in the American Hockey League with a recall. And two, I think it's a great reminder to... Some of those guys we just talked about, Dewar, um, Ruzichka, excuse me, even AJ Greer to an extent that, hey, we're not just going to spin our tires here and wait for you guys to get going. We're going to change some things up. We're going to try some different things. We're going to try some different guys. If you can't get it done, we're going to look elsewhere for help. And I I think that that can be a a good reminder for some of those guys that maybe have gotten – a bit stagnant lately for the Calgary Flames.
3: It's a philosophy change, and I think of of everything, if you want to do a big side-by-side comparison between last year's team to this year's team, the infusion of youth and the willingness to do so, I think is the most distinct change you could think of, uh, barring a couple, like Tyler Toffoli, obviously not being in the lineup, but the fact that you can look at a guy like Walker Dewar and say, you know what, we got to send you down to get your game back, but they can plug in a younger player at times when the defense has been in need of reinforcements, calling up guys like Ilya Sol- Solovyov mm-hmm. and, and Jan Kuznetsov. Uh, a lot of people are wondering, okay, when is Jeremy Poirier going to be ready? When are some of the other defenses going to be ready? Like the idea that the flames can use these young players to their advantage. I, I think that's, that's really good on, on their part in a completely different change from what they experienced last year. One other story I want to bring up about Adams Please. that I need to, I just think it's hilarious with his six, eight frame. There was a game with the Wranglers last year, where Adam Klapka scored a hat trick, and he's down, uh, wait, well downstairs, like near the the uh, the ice rink, ready to be interviewed by the media, and uh, one of his teammates, I believe, uh, Mitch McLean, just goes up to surprise him. With uh, you know, with a towel with with some whipping cream. Normally you, you see that happen. A guy can kind of come up behind you and just kind of, you know, rub you in the face and all that. Mitch like hides behind this curtain. Dude had to jump at least three feet to kind of get to his head. <laughs> and just it was a big leap of faith, I'll tell you that. But he got at him in the face. I know I tweeted out some of the photos earlier today, but uh he's a he's a gentle giant kind of guy, just a really polite kind of dude and likes getting into fun stuff like that. But uh yeah, really interesting dude.
2: I did want to mention as well, because I, I know that there's, um, of course, going to be some disappointment that it's not Matt Coronado, um, just because the season he's having and, you know, the excitement for this young player. And I think you'd be on the same page as me here, Julian. I, the Flames don't want to put him in the wrong spot when no. he comes up. There just isn't. Matt Coronado's skill set is going to be best suited, I think, in a top six role. And right now, there just isn't a top six role that fits. You're going to have to take somebody out for that to happen. And I don't think coming in and and playing on the fourth line compared to the minutes and the production he's putting up at the American Hockey League, I don't think that makes sense right now. I'm more than okay with, with Matt Coronado continuing what he's doing with the Wranglers right now.
3: Honestly, if I'm a Flames fan, I'm not expecting Coronado back in the lineup until after the deadline.
2: Yes, that's, that's, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. That's
3: my expectation. And like you're right. There's no rule for him right now. You're actually getting production from your top nine, let alone your top six. It's a, a bit unfortunate for him in one way that he can, doesn't have that NHL opportunity. But I, I, I'm realizing now that it is kind of good for him that he gets that time to dominate in the NHL. He's leading the team in scoring. He's being used in, in power play situations. He's getting goals. Every time I talk to to Trent Cole about Coronado, he praises him and says that he's getting the the goal-scoring part right. He just needs to get some of the other facets of his game off the puck right for him. But I think the AHL is the, the time to do it. The NHL is not the time. It's not a development league. No. You hear so many coaches say that all the time. That's not the time for him to get that stuff down. The time for him to get that stuff down is when he's in the AHL, playing well, dominating as much as he can, and then when you can give him that opportunity, probably when the Flames – or I shouldn't say probably – if they start selling off those assets, then there's going to be an opening for him to play in that top six, but there's no real rush, right? No. I, I And I think that's that. I think a lot of fans need to keep that in mind too. The cool thing about seeing these young players get this opportunity and the stage that the flames are in as much as it is annoying for them to be in the mushy middle for a lot of people, the flames don't have to rush the development of any of their guys. And that goes for a Dustin Wolf that goes for a Matthew Coronado You give them that time to breathe. You give them that opportunity to develop at the AHL. They're really close already to being NHL players as it is. So I think as long as they're able to keep on that track, that helps them going forward.
2: Uh, He's Julian McKenzie. I'm Logan Gordon. This is Sports Day. Today we're getting you set for the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs Thursday night at the Scotiabank Saddledome. A couple texts coming in on that Adam Klapka conversation. Uh, Text line at 960-960 if you want to chime in. Uh, this text says, hey, Tyler Myers, move over. There's a new bigger boy in the NHL. Yes, <laughs> uh, Adam Klapka does certainly fill that frame. And uh, this one as well. Uh, all in caps. I like this. Let's see that big frame in net in front of the net on power play, too. I mean, I've heard I, worse ideas. I've heard worse ideas. Look, <laughs> if, if he's able to get that opportunity, if it's something that
3: could work out, why, I mean, could you imagine being a goalie and a big six foot eight dude no. is just covering your vision? I mean
2: No thank. There you. Are,
3: there have been worse ideas.
2: No, and, and like you said, Klapka's got some sneaky good hands. He's got twenty-one points in 33 games. I think there's uh, a lot worse than you could do than having him in front of the net, uh, creating some chaos. Let's get you the latest from the Calgary Flames. Let's send you to the locker room and get you set uh for the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs, as we always do here on SportsNet today. Let's start off hearing from the head coach his thoughts as his team looks for their first five-game winning streak since the 2021-2022 season. Uh, Looking ahead to this matchup with the Toronto Maple Leafs, here is head coach Ryan Huska on a game day.
0: A little bit different with the the Leafs in town, Ryan? Um, Not for us. I mean, I'm sure, yes, their traveling party's bigger, all that stuff, but not for us. It's uh, the the game that we have to focus on. So it's another team for us. Yeah.
4: And we saw uh, Walker Dewar placed on waivers uh, yesterday. Yeah. Um, just, what's happened this season that sort of got him to that position? Uh,
0: a, a lot of it always comes down to opportunity, you know, and I, I think early in the season when we were trying to find our way, we are looking for combinations and lines um, that would give us a chance to win every night. And as it went along, we started to get some, lines or or units that played well together and and unfortunately for him sometimes that meant he was out of the lineup and it became a more regular occurrence and it's it's hard for a player when he's being thrown in at certain times to try to get his game back to the level we know he can he can be at so um you know we're, we're hoping he he makes his way through um waivers and and he can work on on getting into a lineup and contributing regularly so when we were able to bring him back he'll be ready to go again what, well, like Clapton, what do you think he can bring to this team? Yeah, well, the one thing we feel like our fourth line has been missing over the last little while is some of that energy, um, some of the physical play, a little bit more size in the offensive zone. Um, and I, I know the way Adam is. He's, uh, he's all about the energy. He's all about... Um, bringing a lot of excitement to the rink. And he's been one guy that over the course of a couple of years has really worked hard on his game. So he's put himself in a position where he deserves this call-up. And we'll see when he gets that opportunity.
4: Um, does it – I mean, all these young guys are going to be excited to get a call-up. Does it make it easier that they – Each other. I mean, he's got Zeri. He's got Pospisil. He's got these guys who had that great season with the Wranglers last year. Oh, I'm sure.
0: I mean, you see them this morning having breakfast together. It is a having that familiarity is a a good thing for those guys because there's someone they know right away they can go to if they have questions as to how we do things because there are some things, of course, that are a little bit different. um, And it's nice to have a familiar face.
3: Uh, Like last game in the post game scrum, like we saw Coleman singing and like like was really happy. Like, just how important has that that chemistry or that? fun environment been to, to this group this season
0: Brian? Um, you know I, I, I think the fun part's important as long as it's going in the right direction I guess I should say like it's not when we talk about fun we want guys to enjoy being at the rink and being around each other but it's not like you're coming here um, you know expecting a carnival atmosphere or anything like that but Um, the the challenge that we've always made to them from the beginning of the year is to make sure they come to the rink to enjoy their time but they have to get better every day so they're starting to get to the point where they know we can put the work in and the time in and yet it's okay if we're having um, some smiles or laughs like that i didn't hear him sing Um, i'm sure that wasn't pretty but um, it's something that we want them to really enjoy being around the rink for sure
3: how does it feel being able to build this stretch of wins? The first time all year you guys have won four in a row. There have been other times where you've got maybe two or three here and there and maybe a stretch of losses, but it seems like you guys are building up a bit of a streak. How does it feel?
0: It's, you know, the wins are important, and we need that at this stretch of the game, but what we did yesterday or the last few days doesn't matter. Again, we'll talk the same way we talked before the Arizona game. This is all that matters for us here tonight.
4: You mentioned the fourth line, and, and you know, feels like the, the top nine are, are playing so well right now. But that fourth line maybe hasn't been as productive as you would like what? What do you want to see from them before the All Star break, really?
0: Yeah, same thing that we mentioned last time we were here. They have to be guys that when they're on, on the ice, they're um, trustworthy and reliable guys that aren't on the ice for chances against and for sure not goals against. And then you flip it the other way. We want them to make life hard on the other team's defense. So that means they have to do a great job in the neutral zone and and make sure they're, they're playing with a lot of pace and a lot of energy in the offensive zone so they can set our other lines up for success.
2: There you go. That's head coach Ryan Huska checking in on a game day. His Flames getting set to take on the Toronto Maple Leafs, going for their fifth straight win and second on this six-game homestand. Let's hit check in Flames forward Nazem Kadri. Always a big game uh, for him taking on the team that drafted him, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs in town. Always a fun atmosphere. Let's check in with the former Leaf and now uh, Calgary Flames forward Nazem Kadri on a game day.
1: Does it still give you a little bit of chills going up against this team, or how do you approach that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's always, uh, you know, kind of gotten used to it by now, but always, uh, you know, I still got some buddies over there, of course, and, you know, it's uh, a little extra incentive to, to play a little harder against your friends.
4: You wouldn't call it a revenge game or anything like that, though? It's, it's all good fun.
1: No, I mean, hey, you got to turn the page eventually, you know, and that's kind of where I'm at in my career. Obviously, uh, really enjoyed my time there, but, you know, these are a big two points for us against a good hockey team, so we got to be re- ready to go. Now, as you mentioned
0: where you are in your career, how do you feel? the way you've been playing right now. Obviously we've talked a lot about you and the younger guys, mm-hmm. but it seems yeah. as though you guys consistently, and that was the word you used earlier, have found a way to carve an identity between the
1: three of you. Definitely, and that's that's a you know secret recipe. You want to stay consistent. You wanna be able to prove to um, you know your teammates and your coaches that uh, you know they know what to expect from you every single night and we've been able to uh, f- to do that for, for for an extended period of time. So you just gotta continue to you know have that work mentality and uh you know, pucks are fine in the back of the net for us. How do you like the way you're playing? Really like it. Really like. It. I think, uh, you know, I've uh, you know, I've been in that consistency mix throughout the whole season. I feel like my game's right where it needs to be. But you know, I'm always going to look to improve and uh, you know look to find better out of myself.
0: A lot has been made of the uh, Leafs' uh, inability of late to hold on to leads. Mm good news is for them they can get leads and that news is for them. they've struggled to hold on how do you guys kind of take advantage of that as a team that has no problem kind of coming from behind
1: yeah i mean of course tonight's going to be an important start but uh you know as you've seen from us you know it's kind of the opposite perspective we don't mind coming back but uh You know, of course, I think that's happened to them over the last week, week and a half, two weeks, whatever it's been. I mean, uh, you know, when things like that are happening, they start to get magnified and and they kind of snowball a little bit. But, you know, it's a momentum thing. So, uh, you know, we don't really expect that. We want to come out hard and we want to finish hard. Probably
4: a very basic question, but everyone we've talked to who's been like hot right now—whether it's you, Jager, yeah, Sharon, Coleman—they've all said like the fact that everyone's kind of going right now is is helping out. How does that work? Just, you know,
1: yeah, I mean it's uh right. it's uh I know it's it's hard to really pinpoint exactly what it is, but I think we're playing good team hockey. You know that's that's the secret. I think everyone's predictable to each other in here, and we know uh, where we're going to be at certain times and uh, how to execute a game plan when we have something drawn up. So. I think that's very important, not only to have a plan, but to go and execute the plan.
4: I know that you, as a group, are still not where you want to be and there's still a lot of time to go, but when you look back to where things were in October to where you are now, how, how
2: proud are you of the, the way the group has been able to get to a better spot?
1: Very proud. Uh, obviously, job's not finished. I mean, we had to crawl ourselves out of a hole, and we've done that. And uh, now we're looking to, you know, obviously in the new year and in the second half of the season to try to be one of the one of the better clubs. So, uh, you know, we have confidence, we believe in ourselves, and, uh, you know, we don't think it's unattainable.
4: You guys look back at that six-game losing streak. You're now on a four-game losing streak You're well above 500 since that. Mm-hmm. And what do you, like, do you guys just kind of forget all about
1: it, forget it happened? That's all you can do. That's all you can do. It's, uh, it's dead to us. So, uh, I mean, obviously it's in the past. You can't really change that. Um, Obviously, we would have liked to change it in that present time, but the fact of the matter is we've done a a heck of a job to – bring ourselves back to life here, and that uh, that is something we, we need to continue and we want to continue. <laughs> Probably
4: really up, given that there a six-game losing streak, would it matter getting a 6 winning streak? Kind of, yeah,
1: you know, yeah, I mean, absolutely. We're going try to try to get that for sure. I mean, it, it's disappointing, you know, throughout that stretch, if you win, you know, one or two or get half of those points, you, you'd be in a totally different situation, but it's not the reality. We've done a great job at just, you know, flushing it and moving forward.
2: There's an awesome guys. we're checking in following morning ski at the Scotiabank, Sandal, though he's taking on His former team, the Toronto Maple Leafs, again, 6 o'clock, Flames warm-up with Pat Steinberg. 7 o'clock, Flames hockey with Derek Wills and Megan Mickelson right here on your Home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We're going to take a break, come back on the other side, take a peek at the opposition tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs in town for their lone visit to the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. It's always a fun atmosphere when the Leafs come to town. But it's a work trip for the Leafs who uh, aren't having as much fun as the Flames are right now. They've lost four in a row and have some major questions to answer as the trade deadline gets closer. Brent Gunning from Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, joins us next to preview the Leafs and the Flames. That when Sportsnet Today returns on Sportsnet 960, the fan. Sportsnet Today are rolling on with Logan Gordon and Julian McKenzie. Live in the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studios getting you set for the Flames and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Flames have won four in a row. Leafs have lost four in a row. Blown a couple of leads. But they got William Nylander signed up, man. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, 92 million. Yeah, That's not a
3: cheap deal. Oh, no, it's all good. <laughs> I mean, it's...
2: What would you do with $92 million? a lot of things i can't say on this radio station Whoa, okay jeez i was just there gonna just i was just be, gonna put
3: that towards buying it's a house be some
2: debauchery for buying sure. some
3: space to put all my shoes like, that i yes, want
2: there's going to be some general like normal things but i'm going to tell you i'm going to buy gonna, beers for
3: everyone uh, I'm here get up to some, i don't know i don't want, i don't know if i want to know what debauchery get, get into some
2: real weird things well,
0: i don't
3: know if i really want to know
2: i'm curious what our next guest would do <laughs> with 92 million dollars uh he's Brent gunning from sportsnet 590 the fan In Toronto. Brent, why don't you jump right in on that? Ninety we give you ninety two million dollars. What's the first thing you do?
5: Well, I'm talking to my friends in the beautiful province of Alberta, and I think of a great line from Connor McDavid about how blessed he was (laughs) to have a heated driveway. (laughs) It's freezing cold. That's where my mind immediately goes. First things first, heated driveway. There's more fun things. But there's nothing more practical that would make me happier day in and day out. (laughs) Give me heated driveway.
2: Yeah, Connor McDavid might be disliked in Calgary because of his pure talent and ability against the Cup. But there's not a single person in Calgary that didn't like that answer from Connor. That's pretty funny. You have to respect it. It's a absolutely. It's a great way to spend your money in, in most Canadian provinces.
5: It really is. And like, even if you don't have 92 million of it, you can, you can, uh, you can dream of getting there. So yeah, that's, uh, that's immediately where my mind goes. I like that a lot. Uh, how are you doing, man? I
2: haven't talked with you in a while. How's things?
5: Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the world is burning uh, in Toronto via the <laughs> Maple Leafs, uh, but no, things are, uh, things are going well. Uh, you know, uh, a, uh, an interesting team is often more fun to talk about than a good one. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fun.
2: Yeah, look, a four-game losing streak for this group right now. A couple of uh, losses coming from blown leads and most recently up the road in Edmonton. What's kind of been the big story with this? What's kind of been the, the narrative through this this losing streak that has Leafs fans so concerned, Brent?
5: It's Keith Watch. You know, there there are a million other things you can pick at, but it's remarkable how quickly uh, Sheldon Keith seems to have got warm here. You know, I think a lot of people have looked at it uh, uh, kind of of two minds. One, just the tenure he's had with the team and the, you know, uh, tons of regular season success, but little playoff success to show for it. And then also the idea that, you know, it seems like uh, maybe the, the general manager in the front office uh, isn't uh, isn't all that ready to take a, a really any swing, let alone a big one in the trade. And if you need to uh, poke the team and get it going in a direction other than you know, blowing a bunch of leads in in four straight games. I, I think that's that's been the uh, prevailing topic. It, it surprised me a little, quite frankly. But even me, somebody who's been a pretty big, you know, Keith backer and defender throughout this run, is starting to wonder if it's uh, if it's time.
3: I, 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 the thing with Keith is just you have the core four that you have, and I get that some of the pieces that have been plugged in. I mean, it's 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 trees doing, and and some of those guys haven't worked but does getting rid of Keefe really make that much of a difference at the end of the day? Like at some point, this has to be on the players, right?
5: I think it has to completely be on the players, but I think that that's why a lot of people find themselves ending up at maybe a coaching change is the right decision because you're not trading your way out of this problem. I mean, you know, a lot of people think, you know, the Zadorov trade that happened to Vancouver early on in the season. Would that have been nice for the Leafs? Yes. Would it have helped? Yes. But it doesn't materially change the world in terms of what they're capable of or what you expect from them. It all goes back to those guys. And, you know, all the contracts are locked in. Even Marner's got a year and change left on his. Tavares isn't going anywhere. And everybody's got a full no move. So you're you're stuck with this core. And I don't even say it is a, a bad thing. There'd be plenty of teams around the league that would kill to be stuck with a, a core like that. And I think percent this is a kind of almost a, a bit of a last, not, not last salvo. Cause again, I don't think any of these guys are going anywhere, but this is maybe the last chance to kind of get to them while they're still somewhat malleable and not kind of completely baked into, to what they are. You know, there's been a lot of talk about, well, maybe the GM change this off season was going to, make them look around and say, hmm, everything's not so safe, everything's not comfortable here. No, everything is safe and everything's comfortable, but maybe a coaching change and somebody different from the guy these guys have known from the bulk of their NHL career is really the only way to to kind of wake the group up, for lack of a better term. Is 42
2: games into the season for a team that's technically in a playoff spot too late down the road to make a coaching change in your mind, Brent?
5: I don't think it's it's too late at all by by any means. I think that if you're if you're a believer in the coaching change needs to happen, you think okay, you're going to get your three week, month long dead cat bounce, and then that kind of takes you right into the deadline. And then if you're Brad for a living, you can see okay, this group responded to to a move. Maybe I maybe they now deserve for me to make another one and go trade for that defenseman that everyone's been talking about. I, I don't think it's too late at, at all. I don't think you want to wait too much longer, quite frankly. I think if you're going to make this move, if it were me, I would make the trade I'm going to make and then see what happens and then make my coaching change. But I really think it's probably going to go the the other way. At least it seems to be the tea leaves if this team doesn't pull pull out of it. But it's not necessarily the way I would go. And quite frankly, I don't think it's too late at all though either.
3: When you hear on the subject of 42 games, when you hear Sheldon Keith say it's been 42 games, he doesn't know who to trust among his newer players on the roster. I, 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 maybe I take it as a sign that Keith very much wants some kind of change to this roster. When you hear him say that, what do you think?
5: Yeah, I think, I think for me, when I, I think, I think for me, when I, uh, sorry, I just got a call for a minute. I think for me, when I, when I hear that comment, it does seem to me a little bit of, hold on, hold on. If you're going to point the fingers at me, look at what i've been given and there's certainly something to point to that when it comes to goaltending we know that this isn't the way they envision things playing out but goaltending also hasn't completely sunk them in either you know the comment about uh i don't know who to trust yet that's just as much on him as it is on the players in my opinion quite frankly i mean you know max domey is far from a perfect third line center but he was a third line center on a team that went to the western conference final last year you know tyler bertuzzi i don't think he's been the solution but he's far from a problem player that you can't win with. Even a guy like Callie Yarncroft, again, like he's not perfect, but he is a kind of Swiss Army Knife guy that should be able to be plug and played up and down the lineup. So I think what Keith said, there's definitely some merit to it, but I also think there should be a world where you're able to get these pieces to, to fit together just a little bit better.
2: You mentioned the 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 process or the, I guess the, the timeline of how it would go in that Maybe in a perfect world, you make the the trade you're gonna make first, and then sort of react to the coach. What's that trade look like in your mind? Is it is it adding to the D? Is it bringing in another goaltender? Like like what is that ideal move for this group to to round it out so that I guess maybe Sheldon Keith feels like he's been given enough up pieces and he's been given enough to be evaluated on with this roster.
5: Yeah, it's so tough because in a perfect world you would add a goaltender, but like I said, that hasn't really what's been doing in this team. I mean, yeah. they certainly have had a night or two where they could have got some more saves, but they lost all those games 9-3 and 9 so I don't know that the one extra save is what, what did them in. I am a believer that you get one more solid body on the blue line, and it'd be remarkable how much things would, would kind of fall into place. A guy I've been kind of wondering aloud about is Ilya Labushkin, you know, with the Ducks now, obviously, I had to stop in, in Arizona, and there's a guy who played pretty well with Morgan Riley in the limited time he was here. You know, I don't think that would cost you an arm and a leg. It's something that maybe you could look at it. I don't know you quite get it done for the Zadorov price that the that the uh, Canucks got earlier this year, but maybe it's something along those lines. I don't think it's a big, sexy swing for, you know, even like a Hannafin type thing that's been bandied about a million times. Even Tanev, I wonder if the price is just too much uh, for, for a player who everyone thinks of as a playoff-style guy. So Idlib Bushkin is kind of the name I've been kind of bandying about. I don't think it completely changes everything, but you give Morgan Riley a partner he's confident with, and then all of a sudden things start to filter in just a little better behind them.
3: We joked with you at the beginning of this segment about what you would do with $92 million. We're obviously saying that in reference to William Nylander, who just signed his uh, his, his new money extension since that uh pointless in his last four games what's up with Willie why is he at that point it felt like every game he was playing up until that point he was picking up points he was being a a a great playmaker for this team what's happened with him as of late
5: well he's now had two pointless streaks he had one that was three games long and now you've seen this and for a player of his ilk a guy who you know we think of as a kind of 60, 80 point guy before this year to have only had two stretches like that. It proves what he's been capable of this year, but Nylander is a guy who is liable to go through these stretches. You know, I, I know everybody immediately goes to, oh, he got paid, he took his foot off the gas. I, I don't think that's quite what happened here, but this is a guy who was playing at a, a, it wasn't a level that we hadn't seen from Nylander. We've seen him have stretches like this. It was just the consistency and Quite frankly, you've seen it go away just a little bit. I mean, part of it is puck luck. Quite frankly, I mean, I don't want to hear the players say that, but I'm allowed to. You know, he has a he has a breakaway the other night in Edmonton. He rings it off the bar. It's a different story. I mean, it's a different game. We talk about if that goes in, and it's a different story for him, and it does as well. And Tavares has been snake bit. You know, obviously, there's some questions there about that player, but when that's your center and the two of you are kind of tied at the hip, you know, one player's offensive or offense dipping is going to impact the other. So I think it's a little swoon from Nylander, nothing to be overly concerned about, but God, the timing, if you're somebody who believes in contract years and guys turning it on and then turning it off, the timing could, could not be worse uh, for, for him.
3: One other question for you, Brent, Uh, Brad tree living tonight's the first time uh, he returns to Calgary as general manager, of uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. We all know in this market what he's done for this team and, and how he ended, ended up exiting and then later on becoming the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. For fans here who have been so invested with the Calgary Flames and maybe haven't necessarily been paying attention to Brad living and maybe how he's being perceived in Toronto, could you paint a picture about what it's been like for him these first few months and how fans are taking to Brad. And also if you can, uh, what the media has been like with, with Brad and how Brad has been with them.
5: Yeah. I mean, true living has been, it it did seem from a kind of PR perspective, there was a bit of a push to get him out there a, a little bit more, at the beginning of the year and then, you know, he popped his head up when things were going well, we we've seen him make a couple of appearances for, you know, Matt Murray injury certainty or John Klingberg, stuff like that. He has been a little more available than Dubas was in the past. And, you know, I think that's part and parcel that there was just so much scar tissue with Kyle Dubas, for lack of a better term, every word he was saying was getting parsed to death and, that's what happens when you're GM of the lease, but it's really what happens when you spoke as much as he did through, throughout his tenure. So it definitely has a, a bit of a different feel. In terms of the, you know, job he's done, I really think everybody did, especially in the fan base, try to have a an exhale, you know, Kyle Dubas was such a important figure for the franchise and, you know, he was a divisive one. There were people who couldn't stand his tenure. There were people who thought he didn't make a bad move and, obviously the right answer is somewhere in between but i feel like everyone has kind of tried to have a a bit of a reset a a soft launch with brad for living if you will to the point where the moves he's made you know this year good job signing austin matthews hard to screw that one up with william nylander you you got the player signed but i don't think anyone can look at it and say that was tremendous you know contract negotiation in terms of the the dollar figure he ended up at and then all of the signings have been middling to disastrous, but I think the people are kind of trying to slow play this they don't want it to get to kind of zero to one hundred immediately so I think the quite frankly, the job he's done has not been great, and the perception of it has been not as you know ten alarm fire as it would have been under the last regime and you know I get that it's a it's a new regime you want you want him to have time to kind of set his feet, but I think people are still looking for the first you know, really big win of the, of the Brad for living tenure. And, hey, maybe it came in a draft pick he made this year. Maybe it came by not trading William Nylander and getting him signed. You know, you could certainly look at it that way. But I think that that's, that's the prevailing segment, or at least where I'm at on it, is I'm still waiting for the move where you go, wow, that's, that's really, really well done. You know, you hit on a Simone Benoit. That's nice, and it's been crucial for this team. But those aren't the things you point to when you say this GM has a big win under his belt.
2: He's Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto, joining us to take a look at the Flames' opposition tonight. It's the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, Brent, I'm curious how fast it happened in Toronto. Like, was the ink barely dry on William Nylander's deal before they jumped to what's next for Mitch Marner? Like, how how fast did that train of topic move in Toronto?
5: Here's where I have to put my hand up and, and be guilty as a media <laughs> jackal. We were doing that before the, before the, the ink was even dry. Nick <laughs> Kiprios had a report that it was going to be 11 2 five a week before it came out. Yeah. And we just used that to <laughs> talk about Mitch Marner's next yeah. contract. So hand up, guilty, guilty, guilty. It was before the contract was even signed.
3: Typical Toronto media, you know, yeah. Just, yeah, we'd right. never do that <laughs> in Calgary. <laughs> wait, yeah. Wait how dare you? We're, we're reasoned we, and level-headed <laughs> over here.
2: <laughs> We'd never jump to those this kind of plain. conclusions. Uh, what's what's that conversation been like? Has there been um, is it the same conversation that it was with with William Nylander of Oh, you have to wait and see this thing. What's it going to look like? Do you want to see what a contract year looks like from Mitch? I mean, it's interesting because I don't know how you view the dichotomy in Toronto, Brent. But I mean, I've always kind of felt like Marner was the two in list of importance of guys, you know, as you list, you know, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, whoever, you know what I mean? I've always felt like Marner's the two in this conversation. And if that holds true and he's going to have to get paid more than, than William Nylander, I mean, that it feels like it's a very similar conversation that we've had the last couple years with these guys, just with higher salaries on a yearly basis.
5: Yeah. I think that has been the prevailing sentiment, but over the last, you know, 12 months or so, there has been a bit of a shift just with the tear that Nylander's gone on. It's not been anything Marner's done, but Nylander's just been such a consistent player. And, you know, the thing you've always said that separates Matthews and Marner is, yeah, one of them's a the center, but one of them also shoots the puck in the net and Will and Nylander becoming a 40 goal guy that kind of changed the math on things. But I think in terms of Marner, it'll be really interesting to see it plays out. The point I've always made about him is that, He's the only one who needs it. You know, Austin Matthews was going to be the greatest Leaf of all time. There was never going to be a world where they didn't, you know, do, move heaven and earth to, to keep him here. You know, John Tavares already signed. William Nylander, you know, he, he's locked up. We don't have to think about it now, but I could have seen a world where he left. But Mitch Marner, you know, not to say he couldn't be happy elsewhere, but there's no world when he closes his eyes and thinks of what his NHL career looks like. It's not wearing a Leaf logo his, his, the entirety of his life. And I think that that's where... It'll be interesting to see how much he plays ball. You know, the idea of guys taking less, I think that's overstated. I don't know how much that actually happens anymore. There's going to be some pressure on him to do that. The, I think, you know, fun thing for everyone out there who, you know, doesn't get anguished by this stuff is that we're going to have another year of this with the way Marner has performed this year, not to say it's been bad, but there's certainly another level he can reach. If I'm Marner, there's no world where I'm putting pen to paper on a contract extension unless it comes off a massive playoff run, and then you know everybody's happy to sign him for that. But just with the you know bit of a down year he's had this year, it makes no sense to do that contract now. Why wouldn't we do the Nylander bet on himself and hope he can sign this deal at this time, kind of next year? So I think that's my my read on the Marner situation.
3: But let's say the Leafs go through with that, right? Let's say they yep. we put pen to paper on that and it's Marner signed, Matthews signed, Nylander signed. I I know John Tavares is going to need a new deal, but maybe they even sign him at some kind of deal that maybe it doesn't pay him as much as what he's paid right now, but it's something that's reasonable. I I feel like with this... I'm going to ramble a little bit here. I feel like with this Toronto Maple Leafs team in the salary cap era, they've been kind of looked at as the poster child of the team that wants to be front-loaded with the top line talent that they have, and essentially they've tried to plug and play all these other pieces behind them. And it feels as if just any move that they make, they're going to get scrutinized for it because of what's at stake here. Do you think that if they commit to a Mitch Marner, if they find more money for John Tavares, is that, does, can that actually lead to success for this team, considering how we've seen so many other teams, whether it's a Colorado or a Vegas, be built in this salary cap era.
5: Yeah, I think that if you had your druthers going about it, you wish one of them played defense. I think if you had your druthers going about it, you wish one of them, quite frankly, was wired more like Dreisaitl than like one of them. You, you would like that. But I also think that just with the no-move clauses that are baked in here... There's no world where you, again, let's just say it goes terribly. They're bounced in the first round this year, and the coaching change doesn't doesn't change everything like they want it to. Mitch Marner has a no-move clause. The idea that you're going to be able to use that to get the best possible trade for him, I just don't see it happening. So I think this thing really is all going to hinge on how much the next Marner deal is and what Tavares playing ball looks like. You know, Some people have these pie-in-the-sky Mark Giordano, Jason Spezza, 800K. That isn't happening, but a Joe Pavelski four or 5 million, I think something like that is very, very much in the card. So yeah, you, you wish you could spread it around in a different way. I've been thinking about that with the ducks. Like they make this trade uh go for Drysdale. Are we sure in four years, they're not going to be sitting there going, Oh my God, we have nothing but forwards here. What would kill for a young bright shot? D I, I've thought about this all the time. I just think you're too far down the path to kind of, making about face here. You know, when we were talking about Nylander trades and now I'm sorry, but I'm rambling that the guys you had had to target were your Keandre Millers in New York, maybe slightly lesser D that could kind of change the clock and give you that. But Nylander's locked up. He's got a full no move. You're you're not doing that. And Marner, there's no way he's going to waive his no move to go somewhere that just gives you the best deal. So, I I totally hear the criticism. It's a very fair and valid one. It's just you're too far down the road here. You kind of got to go with what you've got at this point, I think.
2: Uh, Last but not least, Brent, I know we won't see him tonight. We're going to see a Martin Jones start in goal, but did Ilya Samsonov get the needed mental and physical reset uh, after being put through waivers? Has he come back a a new goaltender, or is it kind of been the same old, same old uh, from him this season?
5: yeah, I wish I had an answer for you. I, I feel like we won't know until the next time we see him. You know, he had a solid enough performance when he did come back, but the team wasn't able to get the win. And, you know, if he would have made five saves and the team got the win, I think he would have been able to convince himself that that was the performance he needed. But I think we'll, we won't know until we see him again. And that is the uh, bit of Russian roulette, the least for playing with their goaltending right now.
2: Uh, Brent, always appreciate the conversation, man. Great stuff. Uh, appreciate you jumping on with us here uh, on a game day. Enjoy the game tonight. We'll chat with you again soon, pal.
5: Yeah, anytime. Take care, guys. Take
2: care. Thank you. Brent Gunning joining us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Sportsnet 590, the fan in Toronto. Uh, he runs Morning, does a bunch of great golf content there as well. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Gunning590. We will take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Uh, we'll, of course, continue Getting you set for the Leafs and the Flames tonight, but we will uh, switch things over to our NFL regular, our Thursday regular. Adnan Verk, we got to jump in uh, on a lot with Verk. His Eagles are done in the postseason; they're ousted by Pat Steinberg's Buccaneers in uh, pretty. He's dis- a Bucs fan. Steinberg's a Bucs fan. I had
3: no. Uh, oh, you know yeah. what? That that does explain why you shared that gra- that. Uh, Instagram post about yeah. the bucks. I would have never guessed. I always like knowing who my friends' uh, NFL teams are. I know who your NFL team has logo, the Chargers. Yes. I'm a unfortunately a New York Jets fan. But you know what? I mean, tell you what. We had as much uh, playoff wins this year as the <laughs> Miami Dolphins did. So. It's
2: true. Hey. Uh, so we'll check in with Virk next. And uh, we'll also have to check in on uh, how he did at the uh, Critics' Choice Awards. Yes. Um, he was sharing selfies with Stars Abound. Paul Giamatti, yep. Will Farrell, sure. John Hamm, Bill Hader, even shook De Niro's hand. No. We're going to have to find out uh, who the coolest celebs were uh, that Adnan met at the Critics' Choice Awards, and we'll have to bug him about his Eagles. That will happen when we <laughs> kick off uh, hour two of Sportsnet Day. It's Logan and Julian along with you uh, on a game day here on Sportsnet 960, the fan.